Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your host, Jay, and joining me today is Jeff Clossy. Hey Jay, how's it going? It's going really well. I, I missed you guys. I've been away for a little bit. Yeah, we've missed you too. It's good to have you back. Away from the podcast, away from... I haven't been away from the church for that long, but I've been away from the podcast for a little bit. So I got to uh, go out to Colorado and teach out there at William Tennant School of Theology. In the mountains, which I think is so amazing. It's not like you're just teaching, you're teaching in a majestic setting. Well, <laughs> so yeah. sweet. It's pretty It's pretty incredible. So the classroom has a huge wall of windows behind, like so when you're teaching, behind you is this big wall of windows. And right in the centerpiece of the windows, it's like a cathedral ceiling, and the centerpiece in the windows is Pike's Peak. Oh my! Which makes it makes it difficult sometimes for people to pay attention. I feel like you're like look up here. Yeah. See this slide? This is important. Yeah. yeah I know. <laughs> you're trying to show them like so. Here's this slide I created, or look at my whiteboard drawing, and like right over my shoulder is Pike's Peak. You're like, is it snowing? Is that turning white up there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it is a it is a beautiful setting. It's really fun. We have uh, students from all over the world. Uh, we actually had two international like st- missionaries who are serving overseas, one in South Africa and one in South Asia. And uh, so that was really fun to, to connect with them and have them in the class and everything. So yeah, that's awesome. And Robbie was in the first, like the first week I was out there, Robbie was out there and uh, was learning. So I thought it was pretty funny that he had to sit through classes taught by me. <laughs> that is pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> How would you feel about that? How do you think you would handle that, Jeff? Oh, man. I wonder. I I don't know what I would do. Because I could see being a, an assistant or just a problem student a problem for student, yeah. someone I know so well. Like, you know, because yeah, you right. know. So you can be like, I get that quip. Yeah. Or you should probably sing in this voice right now, Jay, in the middle of the class or, you know, whatever. I well, yeah, I did not. I did nary a, <laughs> an impression of Eddie Vedder or... Bob Dylan or anyone, I didn't do any of that. I was on my best behavior, but it was hard because, like, if I use an illustration about the church, then Robbie's sitting there thinking, you know, like, well, that's not exactly how that happened. Like, <laughs> you be quiet, Robbie. Nobody asked you. Uh, um, did he sit in the front or the back? Uh, kind of in the middle, okay. on the side. Okay, middle flanked me on the side. Yeah, it was just it's a pretty intimate setting, but um, so yeah. So while I was gone, you. I mean, man, you've had to, you've had a lot of on your plate over the last few weeks. Yeah, it's been a good couple of weeks and it's definitely been, yeah. things have been happening and I don't know, I, I, I really get, got enjoyed getting to do two sermons in a row like that. Like that hasn't yeah. happened since I came here and it was fun to be able to be thinking, you know, a couple of weeks out as I'm writing one, like, oh good, I can save that for next week because for both the word and the prayer topics, it, there's just so much to say right right and they obviously go together so yeah, yeah. and that's a that we that was kind of by design um or at least in my mind it was by design um but having robbie do two of the first three so he got to do become and become like or be, wait belong i did belong kick that off yes be with robbie be did with be and with become and like. become like and those two kind of work together and then I did those middle three and then you got to take word and prayer. And and part of the idea of this was to um, to look back and say, okay, the, the reason why we 
didn't attack word and prayer until the end was because we wanted it to flow out of this identity that we have and this mission we've been given. And I thought like last week, I know you already covered this on a podcast, but last week I thought when you talked about word, you did a really great job of talking about how we read the word um, really like relationally and as a disciple, but we, we read it missionally. I mean, this is, he is how we, how we abide in him and what we are called to do and how we are called to live is, is how we are to read scripture, not as like a legal document or textbook or whatever. But then you touch on that with prayer also. And so one of the things and I know I'm going out of order here, but I don't care. I get to do that. But one of the, one of the things that I really enjoyed about it was you talking about the transformational side of prayer and how we want to be, we want our prayer lives to be formed, this identity that we have in Christ and our identity as adopted children of God, but then also that we are given this mission. And I wonder, like, could you, could you speak to that a little bit of the role, like how your prayer life changes when you're praying for transformation to take place in someone else's life, not just praying for their needs to be met, not just praying for, but, but to say, like, how does that connect with disciple making? I, I think it's one way. It's interesting. It's one way we love people and it's one way we grow in love for people. It's like simultaneous. So when you start, I mean, obviously when we pray for a person's needs, so say they're looking for a new job or some conflict in their life, it's really loving, right? But when you start to really think like, what are our deepest needs? They're never the circumstantial things, right? It's actually something much bigger and deeper that we all really need. And it's Christ likeness. It's confidence in his presence. It's all of those things. So I think as we pray for other people, we're acknowledging to ourselves and to God, this is your work. I, I don't actually have disciples. Jesus does, and I can walk alongside them as they follow him. And it's your work, God, to change them and to give them a hunger for your kingdom and your ways. And I think praying, it changes me because I'm acknowledging that, practically stepping into that. But then I think it grows my heart for that person too, because I just start imagining and thinking about what God made them to be, what he really wants for their life beyond all the other, mm-hmm. you know, the circumstances. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's interesting. Like I tried to, I did this with the word one to connect us together, that prayer is never really just about me and God alone. Mm-hmm. We can do that. That's part of it, but there's a secret prayer, but then ultimately it's us connecting with other people and with, what God is doing in the world as we pray. Yeah. I think when we think of disciple making, you know, cause this series is really about, okay, how do you, how do you teach someone how to pray? How do you teach someone to follow Jesus? And in this particular, like how to pray, um, we forget how critical prayer is to disciple making. So a lot of times you just think of disciple making as passing on, this information, like, and even in this series, we could have, you could do that. So, okay. You like, I'm passing on the information that you belong to Jesus. I passing along the information that you're supposed to be with him and that you're supposed to become like him. And now I pass on the information of the mission and the methods and the measurement. And, and then, um, now this is how you study the Bible and this is how you pray. Um, and we forget like praying for the person to like everything that we're wanting to have happen in someone is a supernatural act. Like we're asking for a miracle and that isn't going to happen through just changing of 
like information, exchanging of information. Um, as you're discipling people, you are you are asking them to believe that that they belong to God, to to walk in that identity, to have supernatural strength and courage to do that, to have the transformation that happens, the renewing of minds, the 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 recreation of the heart. Like these are all things that that you're really asking to have happen. And so um, it's critical that we are praying for that. And I love what you said about praying. Like, what do they need at their deepest desires? So yes, by all means, pray for circumstantial things. Like if your friend is sick, pray for them. Pray for them to be healed. But also pray for God to do this transformative work that he's doing, you know, in their life. So I think, I think that is, that is really helpful. And, so another thing that I think was really helpful in the message was uh, you were talking about the importance of being real and honest. So I'm curious, like why why did you why did you think that was such so important that I mean you got these like 30 35 minutes um, for you 30 35 minutes you're much more efficient than <laughs> I. Um, you you have this time and so we, like like we've talked about many times here we have to cut things out we have to distill things down you were talking about how prayer is such a massive topic and now you're going to talk about that in one sermon, but yet you felt like it was critical to don't, to give some of that precious time to this idea of being real and honest. Why was that such a big deal? That's a great question. I mean, part of it comes out of my own experience of learning that as Jesus's disciple, I think to get that right or to get the the thought at least that I don't come to prayer and be the person that I wish I was or that I think God wants me to be in that moment, I come as I am to him, helps me to remember that I'm praying to a person and I'm trying to connect with a person right. in God. And and I think it's clearly what Jesus models for us, right, in that prayer that we talked about on Sunday. But yeah, I think I think it's so important because if we miss that, prayer becomes either performance or like perfunctory. It's like something we just have to do it does not become what Jesus intends for it to be in our life, which is really a lifeline and not even an event so much. It's just a life that we live connected with God all the time throughout our days. And I think that that honest part is really important. I also think that going back to that transformational part, there's something really transformative to be able to actually interact with God where you really are. That changes your heart. Like if it's about an anxiety or a fear or a frustration, to tell God that, that's transformative for him to hear that and you know he hears it and he know he's still with you and loves you you can know that all theoretically right as information but when you actually experience giving those things to him in prayer it it changes your heart it's changed my heart as i've done it yeah i so for me also like a huge turning point in my prayer life um one of them was praying for transformation so that the what we just mentioned and and through specifically with my kids and realize like what I'm actually wanting to produce in them, I can't produce. And so then my prayer life becomes like, I I need you to do something here, God, I need you to, to do your work. Um, but another big thing, turning point for me in prayer life was this idea of being very honest in my prayers. You don't realize, I think it's so common for people to assume that God wants to hear me on my best behavior. Mm. Like that God wants to hear, he wants to hear the the Sunday school prayers. He wants to hear good theology. He wants to hear 
um, the right attitude. But what he really wants is us. Yes. Because he's the one that transforms us, right? So, so yeah, like you said, if, if I'm, if I'm withholding that and if I, um, like say for example, I'm praying for something and I think, oh, well, I really want to go on this vacation. But then I think, well, that's selfish and that's silly. I don't, I don't need that vacation. And I don't, I, and so I'm just not going to, I'm not going to say that. Well, what I'm doing is saying I'm, I'm, I'm withholding part of what my desires are, which then means I'm not actually trusting that God can take those desires and transform them into something good. Um, and, and so like I found that I starting to notice, okay, when I pray something or when something pops into my head, I, I, when I pray it, I think, okay, is that actually how I feel about that? Or am I holding something back? But the beauty is like when I just don't hold anything back and I'm saying I'm willing to pray selfish prayers, I'm willing to pray um, what I know is bad theology, I'm willing to name that and, and say it and especially out loud that I found that God is able to take that and care for me in that and say, I think in a lot of ways he's saying like, that's what I want because I know you have this in you. It's not like you're hiding it. You, you're not hiding that from God. If your desire for this thing over here is selfish, just hiding that from God doesn't make it go away. It's actually there. And so if you actually pour that out and say, okay, you know what, God, one of the reasons why I want this is it makes my life easier or it like whatever the case is. And then tell him that, let him take those desires and transform them um, in that. So like one of the practical ways I tell when people say, it happens a lot where people say, well, I just want to know where God's calling me. We're trying to decide whether to buy this house or not, or to move or not. And I'll ask them like, well, do you want that house? You know, I, I just want whatever God wants for me. Right. I understand that. But do you like that house? Well, yeah. Why do you like it? Well, you know, I think it would be good. You start using all the spiritual language. And then at some point they say like, it has a big yard. I really like a big yard. Or it has this. There it is. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's the real thing. It, it has like this great view from this way. Like, I just love that. And I'm not saying like we should be open to God. If if that is a good gift that God wants to give us, then we want to receive it with joy. And if it's not something he has for us and he wants to purge that out of us, then he will do that. But both of those things are accomplished by being honest and just saying, I like, I like that car. Okay, great. Now let God, let God shape your prayers to where either he's going to give that to you and you can receive it as a good gift, or he's going to say, yeah, that's something we're not I'm not going to give in to that for you because I have something better for you and I want to shape those desires. Yeah, that is, that's, that's a great example too with the house or any sort of decision. Right. I mean, what we, what we want, I mean, what God wants for us is intimacy with him and intimacy without honesty isn't possible Mm -hmm. because intimacy, you know, Adam and Eve are the best example of that before they rebelled. They, they're naked and unashamed with God. They have no pretense with him. There's no angle. (laughs) It's right. just them and God. And that's where we're all headed within our renewal and our redemption. But whenever we, I mean, it's like put a false face on or something with God, we're reinforcing there's some sort of disunity there. There's some, we're disintegrated from him and he wants us to be us with him. Like that's where we're headed. So we, right now we practice that. It's the same with our relationships with other humans. Like any person you're in relationship with if you don't give them the real answer when it's appropriate, right? Um, 
you're just not connected the way you could be. Like in a spousal no. relationship, for example, you, you, you actually have intimacy because you share what's really going on. Yeah. And you say, you don't come at it with an angle to get what you want. Right. Yeah. You don't do that with God either. No. And it's <laughs> always appropriate to be intimate like that with God. Always. So it's, it's a good point that, yeah, with interpersonal relationships, it's not always appropriate to divulge every motive, every desire, everything. But with God, it always is. Yes. It all al- the time. It always is. So I think part of developing prayer life is to become uncomfortable or comfortably uncomfortable with the uncomfortable prayers. Is that a good, you know, I like that. So I, <laughs> it's catchy, I, dude. <laughs> I don't want to be comfortable in the sense of like, then I just get used to like, Oh yeah, I just, I just pray all these super selfish things and, and don't worry about it. But letting him then take those and say, okay, God, I, I want to even give you my desires. And so if, if I want this job, I mean, I've just so many times someone, you know, if you have a, an option for a job or promotion and it always strikes me like people just pray that and it's so spiritual and I'm like, so you really don't care that that comes with a 20% pay increase. Like that doesn't, that doesn't just doesn't affect you at all. Like, come on, go ahead and say that, tell him that, Hey, one of the reasons I want to take this promotion is it's a you know big pay increase. Um, and then let him take that desire and either say, yes, that is a good gift I'm giving you or no, I don't want you to make the decision based on that. And like, let, you know, let him shape your heart from it. But again, that only happens when you're honest. Yeah. And it, it all of this assumes that prayer is more than monologue, right? right? It assumes yes. that prayer is relationship and there's interaction. So the moment of saying the thing that you're like, ah, I don't know if that's really a good thing to necessarily want, say it's that case. Right. We know that God is with us in that and he can actually address it in our hearts and change us through it. He doesn't just leave us there, right? And that right. I guess we, that's good for us to say out loud. We're assuming that that your connection with God is two-way and that he's going to interact with you both through his word that you're also in, but also he will bring things to mind as you pray in an honest way. Yeah, and so there's definitely, I have a lot of testimonies of that. Just suffice it to say, um, when I've been just really brutally honest with, okay, this is why I want this thing. You know, here's this decision. And God has been so kind to redirect my prayers and to kind of shed light. Um, so I think a lot of the reasons when somebody says, I just feel like God isn't telling me what I'm supposed to do. I just feel really lost. I think a big reason for that is maybe, maybe check the, the honesty of your prayers and just let let him have every part of you and let him do with that what he wants. And, and you may find that he starts guiding you in some really powerful, powerful ways. Um, you mentioned the the words and, and anybody that's a part of our church knows that we are very big into praying scripture. And so you mentioned that you mentioned how scripture is the, the fuel and um, the, the anchor and the map for prayer. Why do you think like, what's so powerful about, praying scripture hmm I, I mean i think ultimately we're we're praying back to god what he has said you know we believe that the bible is alive right there's like a, the living word that came out of god's mouth for us and there's something about responding to god with that word that makes that all the more i guess our experience of that all the more real it's real no matter if we actually experience it or not right but 
when we pray that way, it, it, it ties it all together. And it's just so evidently made that way. I mean, I didn't have time to go into Psalms prayer, right? We've been talking about that a lot. That's a huge part of the people of God's history that we, they pray scripture, they sing it to God. It's our response to him with his own words. And, and that's formative. I mean, I do think it's interesting that when Jesus' disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray, he didn't just say, go express your heart to God. Right. It's, I mean, he gave them some words. And I do think that's why it's interesting. In one sense, words do matter. And in another sense, they don't matter. Like, so right. he gave us the, the Lord's Prayer because those are Jesus' priorities for us and for the world and what he's doing. And he knew that as we prayed both the words literally, but also just through them and, and expanded on them, that we would be changed and aligned with him and his kingdom. And But also words don't matter, right? It's not like if we don't say the right words in the right order, the spell doesn't work. That's a spell. That's different than prayer. Right. Prayer is interacting with a living God who knows us better than anyone, even ourselves. And and so in a sense, we can also just pray what is in our heart. We, we kind of need both. So the scriptures can really be part of that formative desiring what God desires and learning to desire what he desires. Because sometimes we just don't know we could desire something that he does. Yeah, I think I love the like praying back his words. It's it, God is teaching us how to talk to him through his word, which is what we do with children, right? I mean, like a, a child learns to speak by listening to their parents and siblings and then, and every family has its own kind of nomenclature, its own kind of language, own kind of um, buzzwords and all these different things that, that are said. And so a, a child learns like, okay, this is how, this is how I communicate. And, and they learn good and bad things from how they watch, you know, their parents interact and communicate, how they watch their siblings communicate. And so when we are praying scripture, it is literally God teaching us um, how to speak like how this is these are the things now what i think is interesting i love what you said about like the words matter but they don't matter going back to our previous point this is where praying being honest about our prayers and praying what's really on our heart matters and then there's also a time then to pray what we know that he is calling us to pray so it both of those things are critical if you just pray like oh this is what i know i'm supposed to pray and you skip the intimacy then you miss out on all that transformation mm -hmm. but if you only pray like okay well this is what i want here like this is all the ugliness or whatever's going on in me and like i'm praying these things but you never lay hold to what he then him teaching you how to pray and and what like to pray scripture and to pray with his desires for yourself um, then that also short circuits the transformation um, process. So it is this both and it's it is the words matter and they don't matter. You pray like the honest things of your heart and also pray the things that he calls you to pray, but you do it by faith. It, I think the difference there is, am I praying scripture by faith or am I praying it as like you said, a spell or as like, I'm trying to pull one over on God and say, okay, no, God, I just want your will to be done. But we're just echoing that really as a way to try to, you know, hide what our desires are. I think the key is I want to be transparent in my desires. And then I want to pray, um, pray by faith the things that, um, that he wants me to. So like one of the ways for me, and sometimes it, that's reversed, right? So, so 
for me, it could look like I'm praying this scripture. And then as I'm praying it, I'm checking my heart to say, okay, do I really, do I really want that? And if I don't, then I, then I can express that. So, you know, you take the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus saying, um, pray, you know, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So if I'm praying what I know, I'm praying that back and saying, okay, now I'm praying, you know, I'm praying for Jeff. He's persecuting me. He's been a big bully. And so now I'm praying for him. But if in my heart, I don't feel a love for you or I don't like it's something, there's some kind of resentment. Well, then I might, I might take a detour and say, God, as I'm praying this, I don't feel this right now. Mm-hmm. I don't, I actually don't want his good. I I'm, I'm bitter. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. Even though I may know I have no reason to do that, or I know it's sinful. I think we just too often gloss over that and say, okay, I know those feelings are underneath here, but I'm just going to pray this by faith. I think we need to pray by faith and honestly and transparently like this is this combination and then i might come back to it and say okay god i need you to help me because i don't you know my heart and you know i don't want this right now but then i'm gonna come back and and i'm gonna by faith i'm gonna pray this yeah again you're you're describing a conversational prayer life right which is so different than here's here's the five things i need today god i'm gonna let you know god wants to know the five things that we need he wants to hear that but you're you're the picture here is like something beyond that mm. that is much richer and thicker and more intimate than a prayer list. Like here's the five things God I need today. You're like processing with God, your thoughts, right? right? And, and that's what he desires for us where our life is just full of those things, full of those moments. Yeah. So, okay. So let me ask you this then. Cause yeah, we're, that processing. So we talk about being honest talking about the transformative power of prayer in this conversation. So is there a place for systems? So Donna and Robbie during the testimony time talked a little bit about systems for prayer. What has been your experience uh, with systems? I think they can be really helpful. Wrong, wrong answer. So (laughs) I, I, it just depends, you know, like I, I would hesitate to say this is the way to do it because we're all wired so differently right for, for for one person like the way donna described her prayer life that clearly works really well for her that's awesome but for other people the way that she does it and she'd say this too um it might not work i've had various seasons in my life where i've done you know systems like i remember when i used to ride the bus to work when i was a young tech worker and i had index cards for each day of the week and each day of the week, I had that AX acronym on it that I that I shared in the sermon. And I would try to rotate through different attributes of God and different things that I wanted to pray for and be thankful for. For me, that was just a helpful reminder, those cards were. And I'd put names on certain days that I wanted to remember to pray for. It was really rich. I think depending on your wiring, that could end up being like such a hindrance to your prayer because you felt like this is all I can pray for right now. But for me, it was freedom. For me, it it kept my mind moving and my heart moving towards where I really wanted it to go with God. So it, I, I would say it just depends. I think they can be really good. Yeah, I think, I mean, here's what I would say. So this is coming from a very non-systems guy. So people don't know you are the systems guy mm-hmm. and I am the fly by the seat of my pants guy. And I would make the argument that 
a system is really important for prayer. I would use the old adage of a failure to plan is planning to fail. Mm-hmm. That I think if you don't have some kind of intentionality of saying, okay, I have a list, I have index cards, I put these in different places, I have scripture I want to pray, I have people that I want to pray for. Um, I've just found that like it, then it just doesn't happen. It feels it can feel very overwhelming. So like part of what you're saying about that freedom is to know, okay, I'm praying for this person on this morning. And so I know that I'm every week I'm praying for that person and I'm not worried about the everything else going on. Like it allows me to, to freeze me to be very specific um, rather than very generic. And I've just found that it's, it's really overwhelming when I don't have some, some kind of, system yeah i would find myself trying to think through the people in my life who i wanted to pray for and the list just kept getting bigger right when you start to really connect with jesus you realize how many people in your life need prayer and for me breaking it down by days really helped you know i had some people that were every day you know jess and i were newly married when i started doing that and so i prayed for her every day um but yeah so i'd commend it i mean for me that worked i i think my caution, or I guess I'm just being cautious the way I say it because I don't want to prescribe something that wouldn't work for someone else. I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, I think I agree with you. Like having, frankly, any way we do it is a system in some way. It's just whether or not it's an intentional system or not. Right. So if it's totally just sporadic prayer that I think I pray about whatever comes to my mind, that is that actually is a system. It's just maybe not intentional. And if the sporadic nature of it means that it's once a week instead of every day or something then i would say well we probably should there can be some things that could help it become more regular if you want it to be yes yeah that's the key is that any system should be a, a help and i would say like the key to a system is don't make it about the system yes any system you come up with whether it's a prayer list or a prayer journal or you know i think um it's critical that you don't then equate your like let's say you have a really good stretch of prayer time that you don't equate that to the system that you're using and i've been guilty of that thinking like okay i got to get back to that system because that's the thing that did it no it it serves the main goal and so i would encourage people don't be afraid to change that up um i think one of the one of the real positives of having a prayer system and and the importance of journaling or writing down prayers is you can see how God is actually answering the prayers. I think we, we miss out on so many opportunities to praise God because we just, we pray for something and then we forget to come back to it. We forget to kind of reassess. And once it stops becoming a need, then we don't pray about it anymore. And we forget like, Oh wow, God, you actually answered that, but I've forgotten. And we miss out on the joy of thankfulness, right? Like, it's like, look what he did. Right. Well, I totally forgot. <laughs> I might have been grateful for a moment, but yeah, I, I agree with you, Jay. I think journaling, uh, whatever form that takes, you know, is really valuable in prayer and in reflecting on the scriptures. And I think for me, when I write after I'm like in, in the word, I'm writing a little bit and thoughts are coming out. That's the way that prayer and word often go together for me in a, I don't know if the word natural, it's actually supernatural, but just in a way that makes a lot of sense for my own heart. Yeah. And I, so one of the ways that I'll use a prayer journal is actually for all the distractions. Mm -hmm. So 
as I'm sitting there and if I'm trying to pray and then all of a sudden I remember, oh, I have to pay this bill or whatever. Like that's, that's why I will keep that near so I can write it down and get it. Cause otherwise I do the like, same thing. Yeah. Like I think that's it's good. That was, that was something a friend of mine shared with me one time. And I thought oh, that's brilliant because my mind wanders. I'm definitely the chasing squirrels kind of idea. And if I think of something like, oh, I need to go get the oil changed on my vehicle. If I don't write that down, then I'm trying to keep it in my mind while I'm trying to have this conversation. And it's kind of like you and I are having a conversation and you get a text and now you have to keep that text in your mind and like right in front of you while we're trying to talk, like your attention's divided and that's, that's not healthy. So I encourage journaling about prayer, but then also having something that's there where you can just say, I, I just write this down. And so I know I like, it's out of my mind. I know that I'll come back to it when we're done, when I'm done here. Um, but whatever you do, again, the system is meant to serve. And so I think like, I don't know, have you ever had the situation where you hear about someone's prayer life or their system and it makes you feel really inadequate? Oh, definitely. Yeah. There's definitely been moments where I'm like, Ooh, that sounds a little better. Right. It sounds better than <laughs> like the guy that uh, gets up at three thirty AM and yeah, like, or like my this, first prayer session of three hours. This is really yeah. elaborate, you know? Yeah. I think that's true. It's interesting though, how being again, like going back to this honesty, like mm-hmm. going from where you really are right. and not going after, like if I'm at mile marker three, I don't need to act like I'm at mile marker a hundred. Right. And I think trying to do that um, short circuits again, what God is doing in prayer and with that conversation, I yeah, I want to just underscore what you just said though about the distractions because I think distractions are a real hindrance to prayer. They can really be, like they can be discouraging because you feel like I'm not even getting anything done. I'm just thinking about the oil change or whatever. Right. But I think that that suggestion of having just a notebook or a, a piece of paper that the things that come to mind that you can deal with later, you just deal with them later and then you can release it. I mean, there's probably all kinds of people are listening right now with other tips like that. If you have them, you should send them in. We'd love to hear them. We'd love to be able to share them with other people. Those things actually, I think once we do them feel really simplistic or basic, but they're really important steps to having a prayer life that is really alive and that we can actually enjoy. I think that's especially true if we're trying to experience stillness in prayer, like just being quiet with God having that piece of paper to write down the distractions is really crucial because our brain's going to come up with stuff. Yeah, for sure. And I think, so when I think about super practical stuff to help, I mean, hopefully some of these things have helped, but the, when you're discipling people and you teach them about prayer, I think you just hit on something that I think is critical, which is prayer is a gift from God that is meant to be enjoyed. Mm -hmm. It is not, it is not meant to be, it's not a test it's not meant to be like, okay, well now you go give your oral exams and show what you know about, you know, about God or how you should function. Um, it's a, it's a conversation and it, and God gives it to us as a way of, um, for us to be able to connect intimately with him. And so one of the things in my past that hindered my prayer life so much was the guilt of not doing it in what I thought was the right way or the right amount of time. So when I would hear of somebody like, Oh yeah, I get up at 5am every day and just, and pray. Um, that's great. Like, it's a beautiful thing. Do that. But then I would feel like, well, if I'm not doing that, then 
it's it's not good enough. And so it would literally be like I could get up at 5:15 and I'm still feeling like I shortchanged this, which well of course what does that then do to my time in prayer? Like it's all guilt-ridden. And so it actually damages the time I did have, which then is going to make it a bad experience, which demotivates me. And so tomorrow morning, you think I'm even going to get up at 5:15? Like I'm going to be so discouraged in it. And so I think we we often let the enemy get in there where the enemy keeps us from praying in at all. And then when we do pray, then he's he's going to twist it and try to convince you, well, this wasn't good enough, to try to taint that time you did have communing with God to make to demotivate you from doing it more. And so if I could give any encouragement to people, it'd be start go ahead and just start small and just talk to him and realize that your father loves talking with you and communing with you um however that takes place and and then let the the joy of that connection spur you and motivate you to have more of it rather than it being this um this burden or this task that you feel like well, I probably should I probably should do more it's it's meant to be enjoyed and it's the joy of it that actually will spur you to more yeah that's really good it's oh. not a performance. No. <laughs> it's not a performance. It's not a task. It's not a duty. It's it is it's a delight. It is it is a gift. It is a joy. So hopefully that's helpful to you. Like Jeff said, if you have ideas or um, about this or you know other stories that you would want to share we are encouraging people please we have the, the on our website there's a link to share stories. As you've been walking through this series, especially as you've been walking through this and trying to disciple others, if you have stories about that, please share those. Um, if you have questions as you're running into issues, as you're trying to help others walk with Jesus, challenges that you're running into that you're not sure how to deal with, let us know. We would be happy to um, kind of talk through those and, and wrestle with those uh, alongside of you. So um, we just hope that all this is helpful and encouraging to you. Um, and until next time, grace and peace.